Our text of Scripture for this morning's service comes from the book of 1 Samuel. It's the story of the calling of David, who would become King David and unite the 12 tribes of Israel under his leadership. It's fitting that we should be reading this text today, a day in which we are electing our own officers into leadership of the church. I invite you to listen for God's word as it comes to us from the book of 1 Samuel. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, but Samuel grieved over Saul. And the Lord was sorry that he had made Saul king over Israel. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I've rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for who I've provided myself a king among his sons. Well, Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Well, Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling, and they said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they came, he looked on Eliab, and he thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Well, then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Well, then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all of your sons here? And he said, Well, there remains yet the youngest, but he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and he brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and he had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Gracious and almighty God, we have come to hear what you have to say to us today. So quiet within us any voice but your own, that we may hear your word. And be not hearers only, but doers as well. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Amen. 
Now, the entire story of David is a story of unexpected outcomes. It's a story of the shifting balance of power from those who have strength, from their size or their position in the family, to those who have strength that comes from above. Life can never only be weighed on the scales of power and might. Outward appearances never tell the whole story. The real story comes from within, where belief, determination, courage, and values are forged. Now many of you know I'm a big basketball fan. And this week, the conclusion of the NBA Finals will take place between the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are tied in a seven-game series, two to two. So game five is tonight. And since we have a concert here tonight, I thank God for DVRs. But in watching this series, I've been fascinated by the play of the point guard for the Golden State Warriors, Stephen Curry. On Wikipedia, they list him at 6-3. I suspect it's more like 6-1, 190 pounds. And yet this year, Steph Curry is the most valuable player in the NBA in a game that usually requires great height and great size. Now, Steph Curry was the seventh round pick in the draft from Davidson College in 2009. And in that year, I suspect that the Golden State Warriors really would have preferred one of the seven players who preceded him in that draft. But if they'd taken him, they would have missed a future most valuable player in the NBA. There were seven rounds of consideration, seven brothers in this story who were paraded in front of Samuel before David was chosen the eighth round of this particular draft. Now, anyone who's ever hired employees knows how easily you can be deceived by outward appearances. Recently, I spoke with a friend of mine who explained that one of the ways his organization has changed their hiring practices is to ask questions differently. No longer do they ask a question like, how would you deal with a conflict with a colleague in the workplace? In other words, asking a potential employee to speculate about how they might handle a conflict. Instead, they ask, tell us about a conflict you have experienced in the workplace. How did you handle it? Don't speculate. We want to know how you actually do these things. You get more insight into how people think and whether they can work and play well with others. In an article entitled, don't hire people unless the batteries are included. Dan Sullivan divides everyone into two categories. Those who come with their own energy source, 
batteries included, and those who are dependent on others for their energy, those without batteries. He lists five signs that someone will drain your team of precious resources like energy and creativity and joy. And here they are. People without batteries enjoy and create drama. Two, they gossip and they backbite. Three, they complain about everything. Four, they need constant supervision. And finally, five, they won't accept responsibility for their own behavior and actions. Now, when I saw that article that concludes with a quote quote from Michael Hyatt, helping people with problems is charity, not a good hiring practice. Don't confuse the two. I quickly forwarded the article on to our associate pastor nominating committee for consideration in their work as they seek to identify our next associate pastor here at the church. People with batteries, people with their own energy source. This is David. This is what Samuel was looking for. This is what God identified. He had internal motivation. He had energy and creativity, optimism and confidence. It's what's inside that counts, not what's outside our lives. The youngest becomes the greatest in Jesse's family. Now, I often wonder what his brothers thought about that. I often wonder what his father and his mother thought about that. We too easily become fascinated by what we expect to see or what we want to see. And we fail to see things accurately and to perceive things as they really are. Now, life is filled with unexpected outcomes. And here's the beauty of the story of David. The powerless can take on the powerful with little more than faith in God and the courage, the imagination, and the determination that comes with that faith. When you have that, you have the energy source you need. Batteries are then included The story of David is an encouragement to every one of us, but especially to young people, that you can approach life with faith and not with fear. It's a story that illustrates that those who are faithful in little will be faithful also in much, as it says in the Gospels. doesn't matter whether you've been noticed by others It doesn't matter if you're the youngest in your family. It doesn't matter whether you're the last one to be picked on the team. You can be successful in life, professionally, personally. And you can have a remarkable impact on others' lives if you nurture the right stuff within your own life and heart. It's really pretty simple. But you have to believe in something. The Bible puts it this way, quite simply, in the book of Hebrews. 
the one who approaches God must have faith in two things. First, that God exists. And secondly, that it's worth your while to try and find God. These were the simple things that David knew. These were the things that he pursued as his life developed. It's what's in our minds and our hearts that limits us more than anything else in life. You may not be able to control the circumstances of your life. You can't control the lives of those around you, but you can exercise control over that which is within you. What you think about, what you give yourself to, how you entertain yourself, what you harbor within the deepest part of your life. You have control over that. If Christ is within you and invited into your life, as was the case with David, you have all you need. The batteries are included. If, on the other hand, you harbor resentment and complaint, you fail to take responsibility for your own actions, for your own life, then you will suffer the loss of energy and optimism and creativity and joy. Samuel was simply looking for the one son of Jesse who came with batteries included. You know, years ago, I realized as a young man that what God wanted me to do was focus on the depth of my commitment. And if I did that, God would take care of the breadth of my influence. The depth of my commitment was my responsibility. The breadth of my influence, God would take care of. It's from within that life unfolds. Now, every generation should be encouraged by the story of David, this adolescent who goes on to take on this great giant Goliath that had paralyzed an entire people. And he comes at this battle with a strategy that never occurred to those who were supposed to know about such things. This shepherd boy rejects the usual armor, the king's armor, with sword and helmet and breastplate. It's hopelessly oversized. It's an impediment to movement on the battlefield. They'll only get in the way and restrict his ability to get the job done. And like David, new generations will forever find new ways and will reject the attempts of those of us who are older and parental to instruct in a system. According to Walter Brueggemann, there's a contrast between the helpless Saul in the story of Samuel and the triumphant David, between the faithless and the frightened troops and David's faith and boldness and lack of intimidation. Goliath's confidence is based upon his size and his power. David's is based upon the reality and the presence of God. David only appears to be standing there unarmed with only his courage and his faith. To the Philistines, he was unarmed. 
But to the faithful, he had behind him the resources of Almighty God. So David's is a story that contrasts the faithful, faithlessness of those who see only obstacles in life, contrast that with the simple faith of an adolescent who perceives that God is present but hasn't weighed in yet on the situation. Now you and I know that the world that we live in is often calculated only in terms of what might makes right. That's where the power is. It's where the strength is. And individuals and entire armies become paralyzed in the face of uneven odds. What is it about a world understood only in terms of what's humanly possible that leaves all of us so unnerved and unable to confront the problems and the issues that we have to deal with? See, David embodies this idea that the people of God are never alone and never face life's challenges by themselves. The giant in front of us is no match for the God who's behind us. Now we're in this great season of commencement speeches. Graduations are occurring all over the country and at every commencement there's some speaker who's been brought in to give their best advice to those who are graduating and are about to become alumni, alumnae of their institution. I'm always intrigued by what advice graduation speakers have to say at commencements. This year, Lou Holtz, the former football coach of Notre Dame and I might add the University of Minnesota for a brief period. This year Lou Holtz spoke at a Catholic University in Steubenville, Ohio. It's worth hearing the whole speech by the way which you can Google when you get home after the service. But he had three pieces of advice for young people preparing to embark on the rest of their lives. He said, you know, you're 21 and I'm 78. He said, the one advantage I have over you is that I've been 21 and you've never been 78. <laughs> but I love the simplicity of Lou Holtz as a coach and as a man. He says it's really pretty simple. Do the right thing. And if you don't know what the right thing is, read the Bible. Secondly, do everything to the best of your ability. Be committed to excellence in everything you do. And third, care about and for others. If you want to live a significant life, you won't take whatever money you make with you. But if you want to be significant, build in someone else's life what matters most. Now I think if David were giving a commencement speech, he would sound a lot like Lou Holtz. 
David's life and his leadership illustrates those three qualities. Simple, but so effective in life. All three were evident in his life early when Samuel commissioned and ordained him to his position. He had a great work ethic. No surprise that while all of his brothers are entertaining Samuel, David's out in the field working. If you're watching the NBA Finals, I can tell you both LeBron James and Stephen Curry have great work ethics. That's what has allowed them to rise to the top of the field amongst basketball players. Life is 90% perspiration and only 10% inspiration. David knew that. So let me conclude. Focus on the depth of your commitment to Christ and He will take care of the breadth of your influence. Do the right thing. Whatever that is and whatever that means in your life today, do the right thing. And whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability. And finally, care about and for others. The fact is that apart from faith, no great thing is ever attempted. You've got to believe in something. And if you believe and put your life in the hands of Jesus Christ, there's no telling what's possible. And you have everything you need to live a life of significance and remarkable joy. David discovered that, and so have countless others through the generations. And so can you. Thanks be to God. Amen.